You're listening to Trade Entrepreneur, the show for business owners by business owners. I'm your host, David Sudworth, and welcome to this week's show. Everyone's getting to holiday mode now. In this country, in the UK, it's been pretty warm this week. We've had record-breaking temperatures, and I know while I've been out doing sweeping and inspections and testing, it's been... Well, it's been quite testing <laughs> in terms of the heat. It's not something that we're used to. I think people in the more sunnier parts of the world will probably laugh at how the British just seem to literally melt when it gets anything over 25 degrees. But this week has been um, pretty exceptional. So uh, everyone's now thinking about holidays, of course, with it being um, good weather. And obviously, we're getting towards the latter end of July, and people are starting to think, thank God, about going away for the first time, which is great news. And the one thing I always like to do when I go away is I like to read. Um, I've always been an avid reader. I really dislike fiction, though. I've got to say, I really have a problem with fiction. I just can't get into it. I don't think I've, I've got the attention span to enjoy fiction at all. And I think that kind of, to a degree, that includes TV shows. I'd rather watch documentaries or dramatizations based on real events than some kind of um, made-up scenario. It just, it just, I always feel like, I think it's probably because I enjoy listening to people and I enjoy learning from their experiences and their successes and their mistakes. Uh, so when it comes to books, I'm very much into self-help books. I'm into technical books, uh, biographies, autobiographies, social history, anything like that which um, helps me understand uh, the world around me. Um, I, that's just the way I am. I can't understand why some people go on holiday and just want to lose themselves in a, in a good uh, f- fiction book, which is which is great. If that's the case, this probably this probably isn't the podcast for you this this week because I'm, I've got my five uh, top reads for trades entrepreneurs on holiday. Uh, <laughs> which sounds uh, sounds a bit daunting, and, t- and to a degree, it can it can sound a bit ridiculous. But there's some great books out there, and I, th- I think one of the one of the uh, criticisms I have of of books and TV shows about business is that they are quite highfalutin. They they always talk about or they involve people who've made millions and millions, and they've kind of. That they don't seem their world doesn't necessarily seem achievable to someone in a blue collar industry or just starting out in a small one person band. It, you know the the likes of Alan Sugar, Richard Branson, Duncan Bannatyne, all those people. Great stories, interesting, but they kind of don't feel like that. It's it's within your within your grasp. I happen to I happen to think that those kind of successes, if you want to go that way, are certainly within your grasp. But I think having having books which are much more tangible and easy to put into practice as soon as you get back to work are the ones I, I tend to go for anyway. So I've got well, I've got four books, and I've got one kind of wild card book, which probably has got nothing to do with business, but I really enjoyed reading it recently. And I think there are some good business uh, parts in it, which I'll explain when we get to it. So the first book that I, I would I would recommend to listeners of the show to read is The E-Myth Revisited uh, by Michael E. Gerber. 
um, who is a uh, Canadian author who basically wrote a book which has sold more than 2 million copies and it's called The E-Myth Revisited Why Most Small Businesses Don't Work and What to Do About It. Now, the E-Myth, it, I thought it stood for like e-commerce or internet and I just kind of, first time I saw it, I kind of just glanced past it but it sounded, cause it sounded, it sounded like a, um, a uh, you know, a, com- a computer geek book, but um, the E myth actually stands for the entrepreneurial myth, and it's the myth that most people who start small businesses are actually entrepreneurs, and it's the it's the fatal assumption that an individual who understands the technical work of a business can successfully run a business that does technical work. So. For argument's sake, if you're a plasterer and you're very good at plastering and you've got all your qualifications and you're really fantastic. That might be great, and you might get a certain way along the entrepreneurial path. But if you don't know how to run a business, you'll come up, you'll 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 not go as far as you'd want to go, and it would start becoming quite bizarre because you're thinking, well, "I'm doing all this work; it's fantastic. Why aren't I doing better?" It's probably nothing to do with the technical aspect, as Gerber says. It's more to do with the fact that you have to be able to run a business. So I'll just read you a bit um, from from the book. It's quite early on. Um, And he calls this the entrepreneurial seizure. And he said, to understand the e-myth and the misunderstanding at its core, let's take a close look at the person who goes into business, not after he goes into business, but before. For that matter, what were you before you started your business? And if you're thinking about going into business, where are you now? Well, if you're like most people I've known, you were working for someone else, probably doing technical work. You were a carpenter, mechanic, a machinist, or a bookkeeper, or a, a drafts person, or a hairdresser. And at some point, you thought you could probably do it a damn sight better. So you decide that you, you're going to have a go yourself. It looks easy, and you may not feel particularly... Um, you don't feel particularly valued at your place of work, so you decide that you step up and do it yourself. So you do that and you start a business and everything's going well and all of a sudden you have something that's called entrepreneurial seizure and you start getting to the kind of mindset of, why am I doing this? Why am I working for this guy? So at that point, you decide you're going to do it yourself. But the fatal assumption that you make is, in, the, and this is what Gerber says, in the throes of your entrepreneurial seizure, you fall victim victim to the most disastrous assumption anyone can make about going into business. It's the assumption made by all technicians who go into business for themselves, one that charts the course of a business from grand opening to, grand opening to liquidation. That moment is made. And the fatal assumption is if you understand the technical work of a business, you understand the, a business that does technical work. And the reason it's fatal is that it just isn't true. In fact, it's the root cause of most small business failures. The technical work of a business and the business that does technical work are two totally different things. And this is why I'm very hot on on people getting business training and understanding the the technical aspects of running a business just as you would understand the technical aspects of plastering, plumbing, whatever you decide to do. Because we spend a lot of time and money doing training and getting our technical skills up and we kind of 
almost give the business a a second thought as if as if that would just fall in by itself after all the the assumption is you get work work comes in therefore you are in business you've created the job for yourself basically you haven't created a business a business is something which can stand alone on its own two feet without your input Luckily, I've got a business now. I didn't have when I started. I worked for myself. The e myths a good book. What I would say is, I mean, I found it a bit kind of repetitive because it was just giving the same, the same uh, premise on different scenarios. So I did enjoy it, but and it's quite easy to read. But it kind of got a bit repetitive. I thought, but with that caveat, I'd certainly recommend it as it's. Um, it's a very good book, and certainly the, the the core of the book is a real truth. And if you don't understand that that core truth, then you you won't get as far as you probably want to get. The second bit, um, this again is a bit of a self help book, and it's from a guy called Simon Sinek, and it's a New York Times bestseller, and it's called The Infinite Game. Now, I love this book because <laughs> because I actually agree with every word in it. The uh, cynic is a is an actual great um, guy for doing talks. You see his talks on on YouTube, on TED talks. They're really inspiring, and I'd advise you if you're not a particular book buff to actually go and um, find on YouTube his uh, his talk about the infinite game. And the infinite game basically um, relates to quote-unquote competitors because most people in business and this court this this goes across trades and any industry they look at their competitors and they think they have to beat their competitor now my view as anyone who's, who's listened to this podcast before knows i don't see other businesses in my field as competitors because you're not necessarily competing for the same type of customer for startup and you're certainly not competing on the same pitch in terms of you know one company might have um, bigger overheads it might have staff all that business you, you, you're comparing chalk and cheese um, but nevertheless one of the one of the downfalls of many on um, trade people's thinking is that they have to beat their competition cynic basically says that that's untrue because because what happens is the it's no, there's no winners or losers in business. All that happens is you get the right to continue playing the game. So he takes he gives an example of think something like hockey or basketball. That's a finite game because there's a clear set of rules. There's a start and a finish, and an outcome. There is a winner, or there is a loser, or it can be a draw in certain circumstances. So that is a finite game. It has a defined beginning and set of rules and what is perceived as a successful or unsuccessful outcome. In business, yes, you have a start, but there may be no end. You know, the the, the, the end doesn't stop when you finish the day. It might finish stop when you retire and you sell the business. But then again, in that, in that time scale between the starting and finishing the business, all you have to do is turn over enough money to pay your bills to continue being in the game, i.e. the game of business. Cynic certainly um, um, explains a lot more eloquently than I can, So, the, 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 but that's the basic premise. The book is really fantastic. 
I would certainly adv- advise getting it, and even if you um, even if you don't get it, certainly look at his YouTube videos because they are really really interesting. And the Infinite Game is one which I think is for many people it will be a bit of a a bit of a jaw dropping moment. If you if you continue seeing your competitors as someone to beat, the only person you end up beating is yourself. The next one that I recommend, and I, I really like this book. I mean, it's it's very easy to read, um, and it's got lots of pictures, which is why I like reading it. No, it, uh, well, it's true. I'm uh, like I said, I've not got the biggest attention span, so that that kind of it does it for me. But this is called Bog Standard Business by Charlie Mullins. Now, Charlie Mullins is the guy who founded a company in the 1970s called. Pimlico Plumbers in London and Pimlico Plumbers is now a massive business. He actually sold the business um, early this year, I think, to an American company Um, but he's a multi-multi-millionaire and he started out basically leaving school with no, no qualifications. He got a job with a a plumber called Bill who he talks about in the book and he wanted to be like Bill because Bill had money and a nice house and he always seemed to have a good life, he went on holidays and this was the early 70s which, you know, you could you could make good money by by doing trades work. Nothing's changed that much really. It's still, it's still good money but nevertheless um, he saw the um, the opportunity to, as someone who left school with no, no qualifications and the fact that the bit I found interesting actually about this, I mean, if you go on Pimlico Pum- Pum- Plumber's website, it's really great. I mean, if you want to see how a trades company should have a website, look at his site or look at the, the company's site because it's got the pricing structure laid out, it's got loads of information, and it's just a it to, to me, it's um, it's it's just something which. I think is a is a good, something good to aim for. You don't need to particularly copy it word for word, or even copy some of the practices word for word. But in terms of how to how to structure a trade business and how to get it out there to the public, I think it's fantastic. The interesting thing I found in this in this um, book that he he mentioned that uh, he uh, that the reason he called himself Pimlico Plumbers is that uh, there was an estate agency in Pimlico in London. Uh, and they did a lot of work for them. And I, I think I remember reading that the estate agents uh, had some spare, spare office space, and he offered it to Charlie Mullins, and he um, he said yes. Now, at that time, and probably even today to a degree, um, one-man plumbing bands don't tend to have offices. So he he decided to to take it up and it immediately transformed his business from being something which is seen as a bit of a you know man in a battered old van to something that's professional because back then as well having a having a landline telephone number that which goes to an office was quite a thing and you know since since those very very early days the company is you know is massive massively successful um, it had a, f- a few hairy moments in the 1990s when it almost went out of business, and he talks about that in his book. But the book is really good. It's it's written in the way he speaks, which is quite straightforward and and amusing, actually. And I think I think it's fair to say Pimlico and Charlie Mullins are probably Marmite characters. You either love them or loathe them, uh, and 
I I think I mean I've, I don't know the guy personally. I don't, I don't know the business that particularly well. But I think from from an outsider's point of view, it's certainly something which is worth looking at if, if you're in the trade sector. And uh, yeah, bog standard business by Charlie Mullins certainly worth a space in your suitcase. The fourth book, uh, similar, um, but it comes from an American perspective. It's from a chimney sweep actually called Mark Stoner, and the book is called Blue Collar Gold, How to Build a Service Business from the Dirt Up. Now, this is, again, a great book because it's very, it's almost like a self-help book, but it's also personal, per, partially autobiographical. So he talks about how he... He basically started working for himself, was doing quite well. Then he fell off a roof and then, and he was laid up for a good while. And all the time he was laid up, there was no money coming in. And that's when the, the light bulb moment hit that he actually, like I said earlier, he didn't have a business, he had a job. He created a job for himself. And as soon as he stopped working, the, mon- the money stopped coming in. So bl- Blue Collar Gold is, particularly for chimney sweeps, if you're chimney sweep reading this, it's particularly interesting but i think to be fair any trades it's really worth um looking at because i just think that there's so many personal stories in there which you will always um uh see you you'll always recognize quite a lot of them and he talks about all the things he got right, all the things he's got wrong, the things he wants to do in the future. And it's just a great book. I think one day I'd like to have him on the show because, um, I mean, Mark is um, a millionaire now and he, he's, he invests in quite a few businesses, some chimney-related, some not chimney-related. But um, the, the, the book is, is well worth it. I think it's available um, via his website. If you just Google Blue Collar Gold by Mark Stoner, um, it's produced uh, it's produced by next century publishing and it's well worth a read because for sweep certainly it's um it, there's a lot of relatable content there and for trades in general again you'll get a lot out of it the final book which has got absolutely nothing to do with trades or business per se but there are actually some nuggets in here which i really did I liked a lot. And <laughs> it's called Twisting My Melon. It's Sean Ryder's autobiography. Now, Sean Ryder is the lead singer of a band in the UK called The Happy Mondays. And they were very big in the 80s and 90s. Um, and they had a reputation for being a hell-raising band, getting into all sorts of scrapes and stuff. And that's that, that's talked about in the book. But um, you know that the guy, one well, none of us are old as uh, as young as we once were, and um, you know he's um, he's now I think over over fifty at least. Uh, so he's he's now on things like uh, celebrity goggle box and things like that, and he, he talks on daytime television about stuff. And back in the day, he was swearing and effing and jeffing all over the place. But the bit the the bits I liked about it actually were to do with a marketing perspective. Now. Uh, he, he says himself that he, he didn't do particularly well at school, but he certainly has a knack and an understanding of how to market. He under he understood that um, a, a, a lot of bands and a lot of businesses, to a degree, kind of almost are very shy about publicising themselves, not wanting to put themselves out there, and, and sometimes become quite precious. Um, particularly, bands become precious about. Um, 
being seen in, in the right places with the right people and only appearing in the right magazines and stuff. And Sean Ryder makes the point that actually when, when they were getting going, um, a lot of bands wouldn't speak to the tabloid press, whereas he wasn't bothered in the slightest because he, he thought they've got the mass readership and if, if our name's in there, then we will do well. By the same token, um, he's got no problem at all. People, Some people are quite sniffy about bands doing reunion tours. He says quite bluntly, what's wrong with it? People get to enjoy it. People who, who, were, who were there first time around get to enjoy it. People who weren't there first time around get to enjoy it. And you're still able to pay the bills. There's nothing wrong with paying the bills. And I, I, just, I just think that's a really, really good humbling thing to say and I I, I, I really under, understood that there was no kind of errs and graces about it it's kind of like you know this is what I've got to do to work let's crack on and do it and I think that in in, in, a, in a way is reminiscent of a lot of tradespeople you know sometimes there's jobs that you don't you don't want to do without a swerve but at the end of the day it's it gets some money in the bank and it enables you to pay your bills pay your staff and so on uh, and these days he's kind of reinvented himself on the uh, uh, reality TV and um, you know uh, daytime television circuit. So he's now he calls him he calls himself like um, homely Sean. You know he's he's now he's not the Hellraiser. He's not the drug taking effing and jeffing Sean of the eighties and nineties. He's 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 now able to do the daytime television because they know he won't swear in all that business. And I just think it's. It's quite an, a good insight into you can get bogged down in business and obviously if you're in bands with the kind of pretentious, oh, we don't do that, that's beneath us. Oh, you know, well, well, marketing is for, is for you know, people who don't understand what we do and it's it's cheapening our our brand and our, our job and our work. That's complete and utter rubbish. <laughs> it really is rubbish and... It's kind of brought home in this, but I don't think, to be honest, he would have ever expected that um, a trades um, podcast would pick up his book and talk about it in those terms. But I just found it, I actually found it quite inspiring. I love the band um, anyway, so I did read it on that basis that I thought it was a great, a great book to read, Twisted My Melon by Sean Ryder. But I actually got a lot out of it from a business point of view. So, um, yeah, that's... Uh, that's certainly one which I would probably read again, actually. So, yeah, there's my five um, top tips for holiday reads. Uh, if you ever pick any up, let, let us know what you think about them. David at trade-entrepreneur.co.uk. That's my email address. And if you're on Facebook or Twitter, drop us a line at TEP Show. If you listen to this on Spotify, on Amazon Music, on Apple Podcasts, give us a like and a subscribe, and it'll tell you when the next show is available. Thanks once again for listening. Have a great week if you're going away. Have a great time on a holiday. Maybe one of these books, who knows? And we'll see you all again very soon. 